<sighs> Lockdowns suck. But you already know that, so I'm going to talk about something completely different. Here's one for you. Studio's nearly finished. That's the COVID-friendly... Well, it's not COVID-friendly. It's more COVID-safe. If it was friendly, then, you know, you'd be guaranteed to fucking get it. Would you? Would you? Wouldn't you? I don't fucking know. Anyway, it's COVID-safe. Um, it's nearly finished. So I have the whole frame of it all glued and fixed together. I have the table fixed in place. I've picked it up and put it into the van, which you can see on Off The Leads Facebook and Off The Leads Official on Instagram. Um, not on YouTube yet, still haven't sorted out YouTube just yet. But yeah, it's more or less finished. So I've covered the inside of it in kind of drapes for aesthetics because I hopefully intend to video it. I'm having trouble with the vi- with videoing it because of light. The light in it, it's not great. I, like I have a, an S10 phone that I use for this recording and pretty much all the recordings outside of the conversations. I use proper mics for those. But yeah, when I set it up... It's just not great. It's a little grainy. Now, look, it'll probably fucking do for now. And what I'm trying not to do here is what I have a fucking habit of doing, which is, oh, no, no, it's not quite ready yet. I need to do this and I need to do that and I need to do the other. And, you know, sometimes circa 2027, it might be nearly finished. I'm not going to do that. It's more or less going to be on the road as soon as humanly possible. All I'm waiting for now is a sheet of Perspex, which I've ordered, which is going to separate the two booths, for want of a better term. So you'll be in completely separate rooms, or I'll be in a completely separate room to the person that I'm uh, speaking to. In relation to the lockdown, I don't know what's fucking going on. This lockdown is supposedly supposed to last up until the end of January uh, at the earliest. Most likely will be extended out God knows how long after that. By the letter of the law, I don't know whether or not I'll be able to do what I'm proposing to do. Because it, it depends it depends on what way you view it. It's a it's a kind of a grey area. So you can like media production companies, my understanding of them is that they are essentially essential services or deemed essential services. So if you're broadcasting a radio show or a TV programme or any of anything like that, you know, you've a green light to work away and I don't see why I should be any different, to be perfectly honest. I think what I'm doing is a, of, is a public service of sorts. If not now, then fucking never. I don't think, I don't think people are in need of down-to-earth conversations with different people from different walks of life. I don't think people have been in, in as much of need of that as they do now. I don't think they've ever been in as much of need of that as they are now fucking cracking up at home with their kids driving them mental, basically. But anyway, so the only piece of the puzzle that's left to do is I have to get steps into the back of the van so the back of my van is um, it's high off the ground, it's a hell of a lot higher than your your average van, so in most vans when you try and put something into the back of it something that reduces the amount of space in practically all vans is the wheel arches okay, so if you've ever been in the back of the van, the back of anyone's van you'll most likely have seen that there are two big boxes where the wheels are so that, you know, the, the wheels don't basically come, th- come through the back of your van. But my van is up above the wheels. So it's got a completely flat f- floor. The floor is a perfect rectangle. There's nothing nothing taking up space in the back of my van. It's completely empty, which isn't the case for regular vans because they have wheel arches on the inside of them. Why am I talking about this? The beauty of having the floor of your van above the wheels 
is obviously you don't have to you don't you can maximize the space in the back of it. The wheel arches take up room in an average van. Now the downside of having your floor above the wheels is that entry into the van is fucking three foot off the ground. Now it's grand for me, I'm a young fit man, I can just hop into the back of it, no problem. But if I was to be interviewing somebody who was maybe a, a touch overweight or maybe a little bit older, you know, it, it's not really I don't I just don't think it's what's the word? I don't think it's appropriate to ask them to, you know, put their hands on the floor of the back of my van and hoosh themselves up into it. So I'm making steps, but I have steps here. They're nearly finished. They will be finished by the time the perspex come. So that's done. The light is in. Um on my I have to drill holes in the table for the la- for the mic stands, but that's no big deal. The only remaining piece of the puzzle is power. So I want to be able to power a laptop, a light. Um, possibly multiple lights if I want to improve the video production, basically. Because as as I said at the outset, it's a bit kind of grainy because the the light. Don't get me wrong; it's fucking bright as fuck, but it's not quite bright enough to have clear video footage. But anyway, I need a battery now. In my innocence, I thought that I'd be able to just you know go onto a camper van website and buy a big suitcase sized battery that had a lead coming out of it with four or five three pin sockets on it not the case okay such a thing doesn't seem to exist for a whole host of different reasons and if it does it's probably about 10 grand but anyway what i need is a battery pack so something that will store energy and then what's called an inverter and i have to do a good bit of figuring out in relation to the wattage or voltage of what i'm going to be using and the amp hours and oh god i haven't a clue that's for another episode. I'd love to sit down with um, a friend of mine, Sean Hosey. Shout out to Sean. He's helping me with the battery and things because he's an electrician. I think I might have mentioned him in a uh, previous podcast. He's the man that can wire factories, basically. But uh, I'd hope to get Sean on the show at some stage, but he's my go-to man for electrics. But speaking of electrics, we had a bit of a heating issue in the house there recently. We have a, a solid fuel stove that heats... The sitting room that it's in, but there's also what's called a back boiler on the back of it, which means that it's plumbed into the rads throughout the house. So when we're when we light a fire in our front room, we can close the door over it for a start, so it's not an open fire, and it can direct the heat to all the rads and to heat the hot water, as well as having an oil burner system in the house. So we've essentially two heating systems in the house. But anyway. We had the fire blazing, it was blazing for hours, but none of the rads were warm. We were like, what the fuck? And then we turned on the heating and it kind of worked, but it didn't. There was obviously a big problem. Then we lost all the power in the hot water taps and we were like, what the fuck? I went up into the attic and there was a, a cylinder of water up in the attic, which was full of not boiling water, but not fucking far off boiling water. Like you couldn't put, you could put your hand into it, but only for half a second before you pull it out. And went, Jesus Christ, that's hot. But anyway. Why am I talking about my fucking plumbing issues in my house? It's because the guy that rocked up to the house started asking me questions about it. And he said, the fire heats the rads, doesn't it? And I said, yeah, it doesn't need yet. And he was like, right. And he goes, and what circulates the water? And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, when you light the fire, what do you do? You turn anything on or do you, do you open a valve? And I, I was like, oh, Jesus, man, no. When I light the fire, all the rads get warm. It's like magic. I mean, I don't know anything about it. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, are you not a fucking plumber? Like, do you not know this shit? Like, I mean, is that is this not why you're here and I'm not trying to figure this out? But anyway, I respected him for it because a real, to me at least, a real sign that somebody knows their shit 
is when they're happy to tell you they don't know something. It shows confidence in what they do know, to me at least. A red flag for somebody who is spoofing is somebody that won't admit to not knowing something. That person that person doesn't know their, their shit as well as they should. But anyway, so he starts asking me these questions and he starts explaining to me that when the fire lights, when you light the big fire and there's a roaring fire in this big steel box that's in your sitting room basically, it heats the rads. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, but how does the water get from in your stove in the sitting room to your rads? And I'm, I'm there kind of thinking to myself, fuck, look, I, I presume a, a thermostat gets kicked into action which turns on a pump to, to circulate the water. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that, that'd be standard. And I'm kind of looking at him, why are you fucking asking me all this shit? But he was just trying to wrap his head around how this worked. So he showed me the pump and it got me thinking. I was like, no fucking way. And then I started thinking, I was like, right, so you've got a heat source, which is in this case, the stove, the solid fuel burner thing. And then you've got a pump and one heats up and the other one circulates the water to wherever it goes. I was like, no fucking way. And it just got me thinking that now, with just that little bit of knowledge, I can walk into anybody else's house and basically assess their heating system. I was like, okay, so what's your heat source is the first thing I'm going to ask. Because you might have a gas boiler, you might have a diesel boiler, you might have an open fire, you might have a stove. There's a half a dozen different, or a pellet boiler, or there's half a dozen different uh, systems This can generate heat and heat your house. So you have to locate it first off. Secondly then, if it's a fire which doesn't essentially have any kind of working parts in it, I presume an oil fire burner has a pump built into it. But anyway, it's going to need a, a pump somewhere. So if you're having trouble with your power, not power, if you're having trouble with your heating, the best thing to do is A, figure out is the thing that produces the heat coming on, is that working? B, the thing that pumps it around the house, is that working? Because at least if you know one of those two things is broken, when you ring your plumber, you can give them a little bit more information than, uh, the house is fucking freezing and uh, help, okay? But the wider point here is, it's not just my house and your house and most people's houses. The same principles apply with fucking nuclear submarines, or skyscrapers, or hospitals, there's a heat source, and there's a pumping mechanism to get that heated water around. And it just made me think that, isn't that what should be fucking part of the education system, basically? Just informing us of the basic principles of of our heating system, of our electrical system, because once you know the foundations of it, once you know the base principles of it, you can do a lot of the work thereafter yourself either through googling it or even just fucking thinking about it there's also a hot water cylinder in pretty much everybody's house there fucking should be and the idea of that is when you have your fire lit or your heating is on or the immersion is on when your heat source is on and it heats up after a few minutes you've got hot water happy days but you want to have hot water later on in the day so what you do is you store a load of hot water that you've heated a load of water that you've heated hot water in a tank basically now if you hold it in a tank, that tank is just going to piss heat out of it immediately. So you insulate it. So we all have in our homes a tank full of water that's covered in insulation. And it's a it's like a power bank. It's like a, it's an energy bank. You can tap into it without having to have the heating on all day and night. And often what you have inside this cylinder is an element. So inside your kettle you have an element. And it's the element that heats the water. And basically all that is, is 
if you have electricity flowing through a wire, it's going to create a certain amount of heat as it flows through the wire. Now, not a whole pile, you're not going to feel it by touch, by any stretch of the imagination. But if you put in way too much power into a small cable, it'll heat up and it'll literally melt. Okay, so if you, presumably you've got a hoover in your house, okay, so if you've got the cable off your hoover, and forgive the dumbed down expression, but if you plugged it into an electricity pylon going down the road, it would melt the wire that's inside that cable because it would be overloaded, okay, it can't handle that amount of electricity and it just heats up and melts. Well, the same principle is at work inside your kettle, only the type of metal that it's made out of the element parts there, it's a type of metal that can be heated to a ridiculously high temperature and not melt. So what you do is you submerge it in water, you run electricity through this material, way more than it can kind of handle, it heats up like fuck, it in turn heats the water and then there's some sort of a thermostat click off point where the power is cut to it and just, just doesn't boil for eight hours and fill your house full of fucking steam. But anyway, Inside your cylinder, so that the hot water thing, the insulated tank that's in your house, there's an element in that as well. So you, you turn it on, that puts electricity through that piece of metal that's inside, submerged in water inside that tank. The metal can't handle that amount of electricity, so it heats up like fuck. Now, the type of metal they use is a type of metal that's well able to withstand that high temperature, and your water heats, and hey presto, that's what an immersion is. So when you hear people saying, turn on the immersion, that's what they mean. They mean, turn on, it's like the kettle element inside in your hot water cylinder. All fairly fucking basic stuff here. And there's plumbers and electricians and tradesmen and people who know stuff about things fucking pulling their hair out going, Jesus fucking Christ, is this boring? But look, it wasn't fucking boring to me when I found it out. And I'm sure it's not boring to somebody else. But why am I rabbiting on about my plumbing system? It's not just the plumbing system, it's the electrical system. So, speaking of fucking electricity going through wires, you've got uh, electricity in your house. Where does it come from? I'll tell you where it comes from. There's a huge big wire cable, an armoured cable it's called, going into your house, which is basically just like an extent, it's just an electricity lead wrapped in wire, wrapped in plastic. And the reason it's wrapped in wire is because it's carrying savage fucking amounts of electricity. It literally powers your entire house. So if you're out in the garden digging with a fucking spade someday, you don't want to go through it and be melted. But anyway, so there's a big black cable coming into your house somewhere. It, it usually goes through a meter before it goes into your house. That's the thing that the guys from the ESB or whoever your electricity supply guy is come and check every so often. It measures the amount of electricity that's going into your house and you get a fucking email or a letter in the post once every two months to tell you how much you owe the electricity company but anyway it goes through that meter box and then it goes straight to your fuse board in your house and from your fuse board it's basically divided up into where it needs to go so different things need different amounts of electricity and if we just go back to plumbing and we'll use a bit of a plumbing analogy here if you want you know, a million gallons, or if you, if you want to fill a swimming pool, okay, you don't want a garden hose that's half an inch thick. You want a huge big pipe that's fucking six inches wide, okay? So the wider the pipe, the bigger flow of water, and it's the exact same with electricity. The bigger, heavier duty our cables can allow more electricity to flow down them 
than smaller ones. So you've got this big, the equivalent of a six inch wide pipe coming into your house, okay? That's the, the mains electricity into your house. That comes more or less directly off a pylon on the road or underground if you're in the town or a city. And all that, that huge, big, heavy duty cable goes into your fuse board, okay? From your fuse board then, it's divided out. So if you look at the silhouette of a tree, say, in winter, a tree that has no leaves on it, the trunk coming up out of the ground is like your big armoured cable coming up out of the ground, and then all your branches. So the big, thick branches, they're going to sockets because you might be plugging in something like a hoover that, that or a, a washing machine or a dishwasher or an oven or an electric shower or something of that nature that requires a huge amount of energy. So you have big, thick cables going to your sockets. Then you've got much smaller cables going to your light switches. And your, sorry, your, your light switches and obviously your, your lights themselves. But anyway, this is the type of information that I think everybody should have. And I do mean everybody, okay? And there are examples of relatively complicated things. So your home heating system, it's, it's a complicated thing. There's fucking pipes and valves and non-return valves and pumps and all sorts of fucking mad shit going on in your home heating system. But the basics are exactly that. They're the basics. It's the same with your electricity. Like there's fucking fuse boards and loads and amps and volts and wattage and current and fucking all sorts going on. But the general principle is pretty fucking basic. Basic enough for everybody to understand. And I'm going to make the point that psychology is no different. Biology is no different. You know, industry is no different. Politics is no different. Education is no different. Yes, these things are incredibly complicated. But not the basics. And that's all I want to get across. Because until you get across the basics of something, you're never going to understand anything past that. It's like when you're in school... And again, not to shit on the education system any more than I already have, but here goes, it's a hobby of mine. In school, you were taught to add and subtract and divide and to multiply and all the rest of it. But you'll probably remember this, maybe more so in secondary school, but maybe in primary school, who knows? You get to a point and you're like, fuck, I don't get, like, long division, I just can't get my head around it. Or maybe it's algebra and you're like, fucking X means what? Huh? And you just don't get. And that, the thing that you're not getting is going to be taught three weeks into September, say. And you don't get it. At the end of of that week's learning, you haven't got it, and you failed the test. Guess what? Next week, we're moving on. And it doesn't matter a fuck whether you get it or not, because we're moving on. But you can't understand the deeper, more intricate parts of anything until you first of all understand the basics. And I think that's my main shtick here with the whole off the lead thing, is it's trying to get across the fucking basics. And sometimes you have to, I suppose you have to identify a really hard problem and then have to kind of work your way back to see what what are the basics. So you might have a... I don't know, a bad habit or a fucking a psychological need or urge for something and you might know where it stems from. But to me, you'll never know where it stems from if you don't have a basic grounding in the fundamentals of how your mind works. 
So that was a bit waffly. I know we're coming up in 20 minutes now, so I'm going to cut it short. But the podcast studio is coming along. I'm in a grey area in relation to whether or not I can legally go and meet people and talk to people. That, to me, leads me to think that I'm free enough to kind of go and do it. I'm a fan of asking for forgiveness, not permission. My thoughts on it is, if I go and start asking the relevant authorities, I'm just going to be told, oh, you should probably stay on the safe side and just not do it. And fuck that. Um, Now, the reason I'm saying that is I'm not advocating people break the COVID restrictions or the rules around COVID, not in the least. I've gone to fucking great lengths to ensure that what I'm building is 100% COVID safe, okay? I will I will literally not be in the same room as the person that I'm interviewing. Now, you might say to yourself, oh, why don't you just do it over the internet or in Skype or blah, blah, blah. Fuck that. I don't think that works. I need, me for me personally, I need to be in the room with the person. I need to be able to make eye contact. I need to be able to see the person's posture and their demeanor and understand what kind of mood that they're in see where they're looking are they maintaining eye contact have they got their feet fixed on the floor there's a lot of subtleties going on when you're having a conversation with someone I'm no fucking expert and there's a lot of things that I'm sure I can read into that A aren't there or B I mightn't be able to explain if you push me to it it's a it's an instinctual thing it's like you, you get a vibe off somebody if they if they want to talk about something or if they don't want to talk about something. And I don't want to lose that by doing over-the-phone interviews or over-the-internet interviews. But anyway, I digress. Podcast studio is nearly ready. Perspex is coming in the next day or two. Battery pack, I have to decide exactly what way I'm going to do it. But within a week, I hope to be flat out having conversations with people. If you want to have a conversation with me, I'm off the lead at gmail.com. If you know somebody who would be a good guest and who knows who I am and what I do even better. What I don't want is people to say, oh, do you know who you should interview? This guy, he's in UCD and he's a lecturer in this. And I can just Google people and find infinite amounts of people to speak to. What I'm looking for preferably is somebody that you know, that you can ask, that you can then get on to me and say, listen, Frano, I've said it to this person. They're interested. This is their phone number or their email address. I'll let you take it from there and we'll see how it happens. And that's about it for me today. And I'll chat you soon.